and we are finally back and able to upload and record episode five of this mind body and soul stuff podcast for those of you guys who have been following you know that it took me a little while to upload episode four thank you for your patience unfortunately due to technological difficulty difficulties we were a little bit behind schedule but we pulled through in the end and The episode is now live and online so you can check it out and it's all about understanding nutrition which really delves into the ways in which we can really take health into our own hands and um, really access and and utilize this incredible, vast, fast-growing wealth of information all around us on the internet and everywhere um, about nutrition that is, is, is spreading like wildfire and how we can take that information without it feeling contradictory and apply it to ourselves by really tuning into our own bodies and, and seeking what it is that our bodies are trying to tell us, what our bodies need um, and, and which foods can really help to support our bodies in the best way possible. So you can go ahead and explore that episode. But for right now, I'm going to go ahead and quickly introduce myself. My name is Lana Almuller. For those of you that don't know me, I currently work as a nutritional therapist and have a huge love for holistic healing and everything to do with mind, body, soul. And we are all so connected and are so much um, as one and it's our mental bodies, our emotional bodies, our physical bodies, our genetics, our environment that really contribute to our overall health. So this podcast talks about everything and anything to do with all of those things. And if you guys have been following so far, you know that this is definitely a podcast where I like to talk about things that are rarely spoken of, those taboo subjects that we don't talk about enough and in hope that it really helps to lift or unveil that uh, feeling of aloneness that we might feel in our in our issues, in our illness, in our problems, in our lives. And on that note, it has been so beautiful to receive and have received so many incredible um, heartwarming emails from you sharing your own stories and sharing your own vulnerability and you know really opening up and that can be a very scary thing and it's so important that we continue to create that safe space of non-judgment for each other to really hear each other out um, and just be there for one another. So thank you so much for um, feeling comfortable enough to open up to me through your sadness, through your happiness, through your tears, through your successes, through your griefs, through your traumas. Um, It just reminds me more and more every day of how human we really are. So this um, podcast is actually delving into a topic that um, one of you who tuned in uh, uh, suggested and I thought what an incredible subject and it is a subject that I have been growing more awareness around because it is another one again that holds quite a taboo around it and that is women's periods. So I really wanted to go into a lot of things surrounding period today from understanding what actually takes place in our menstrual cycles and how we can best support our bodies during our menstrual cycles through nutrition, through lifestyle choices, but also in uh, practices of self-love, of, you know, 
sacredness or spirituality, just ways in which we can accept this beautiful gift of life known as our menstrual cycle and explore the ways in which we actually looked at it, uh, you know, as indigenous tribes and how it was actually honoured as opposed to now looked upon with so much sort of negative connotation or um, shame or embarrassment. And so I'm going to delve into all of those things in as much as possible. And guys, before, if you haven't already, um, run away uh, or hit the pause button and, and, you know, decided to get off this podcast immediately. It is so great to be able to take the opportunity when we can to really understand the human body and that's the male and female body. So it works in your benefit as well if you have female friends, partner, wife, sisters, a mother to better understand each other because it's so interesting usually and in so many cases. Um there are, you know, there is this thing that's going on inside our body on a monthly basis and we might not be understanding it ourselves, let alone our partners or people around us understanding what the hell is going on. And as we know, periods or hormones, you know, being so cyclical in a woman's body can have uh, uh, effects and changes to the body physically, mentally, emotionally. And we you know, being unaware of what's going on, we react to things, it causes arguments between relationships, um, you know, it can cause irritability and a person uh, not understanding that is going to be a person that's unable to really receive what's going on or understand and support you best. So being on the receiving end of, of, of uh, you know, being of a, of a, uh, of a man, um, you know, who may experience women in their lives sort of going through this cyclical beautiful phase, um, will, will, you know, this, this episode will really help to kind of give you a little bit more support and how you can support your beautiful, lovely, wonderful women, lady friends around you. Um, and just by simply understanding what is going on. So I think first I definitely want to delve into a bit more of the science behind what actually happens in a menstrual cycle. And that is for ladies, girls as well, because it is something that we experience and have experienced throughout our whole existence on earth but it's something that so many of us know so little about and that's probably because it's not taught so much of or it's not spoken about so much and really understanding on a physical um, physiological scientific level of what's going on in the body really helps us to understand why we feel the things that we do when we do and then implement nutrition and lifestyle choices for how we can best support those phases and cycles in our life. 
a lot of the time as well when a girl first gets her period it can seem as a really scary and daunting thing because it's this great big change that's happening in the body and again the conversation that's not being had makes it all the more scary so if any of you do have daughters or um, if I do have any young listeners on here I really urge you to uh, to stay with me on this episode and take in as much as you can because we really will be delving into the ways that we can remove this embarrassment and shame around it all and and um and really embrace embrace the the gift of this uh natural process that we receive and that sounds really strange to some people naturally because for so long it has been just such a a disturbance in our everyday life we see it as an annoyance we see it as this huge inconvenience and it's something that we try to run away from as much as possible and you know shove to the back of our minds and ignore that it exists and just get on with life and get on with work and get on with traveling Um, but the truth of the matter is is it is it does exist and um, it does present symptoms and that can make us feel certain ways and the more that we actually face it and honor it that this goes into a bit more mind spiritual stuff but the more that our bodies don't feel or we don't feel like we're at a battle with our bodies and so our symptoms actually ease um, the time of the month actually is a lot more pleasant as opposed to this horrible disaster that we we think we are faced with every month and the more we can embrace it the more it becomes just this beautiful part of life a part of nature and that is exactly what it is interestingly um and there's a a great article of this on my website on a table for um and that's the number one, you can just search, it's called honoring your moon time, and it goes into the taboo around menstruation. And it's a little bit about what I'm going to touch upon in this episode in short. But um, it's very interesting, because various cultures, including Native Americans, Aborigines, Druids, and Africans regarded a menstruating woman to be this incredibly sacred um, uh, and 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 blessed with a gift to heal, protect, or to bridge into the higher realms of awareness. I mean, that sentence in itself is so powerful. The fact that we were actually honored um, to be incredibly sacred and blessed with a gift to heal is so beautiful. And some cultures still do honor this. However, like mu- much of that knowledge along the ways have been suppressed, distorted and unfortunately lost to the sands of time. So in in many of these cultures, uh, women were were really respected and it was seen as such a gift instead of this, you know, awful sort of dirty, shameful thing. It was, uh, you know, insisted that a sacred space was created for women so that they could rest during this time. And that's something we also don't do enough of during our period is rest. You know, in our work fields, it's not seen as a an excuse to take time off. It's we just have to keep going and whatever it is that we're experiencing, the cramping, the symptoms, the emotional um, ups and downs. And there was actually a very interesting article um, written, I think, in 
something like Forbes or where some workplaces are actually now allowing time off whilst women are uh, going through menstruation. So the actual days of their period um, to really just take that time off for themselves. And and that goes back to this, this old um, practice of this uh, sacred ritual and rest resting time for women. So women were usually relieved of their work and uh, lovingly afforded the time to spend either alone in peace and quiet or with other women, but in a safe, nurturing environment, free of projectional or negative energies. And this time was used so much to reflect and invite this universal life force energy to wash through our beings. You know, it is it is uh, the menstrual cycle really should be so celebrated as it is a gift of fertility and femininity it is it is the you know exact process that it allows us to create life within our bodies which is just spectacular and should be celebrated at any you know any time that is given So in spiritual practices, um, the shedding of menses, which is the shedding of our uterine lining, is symbolic of shedding any accumulated negative energy during the previous weeks. And that is why a lot of these cultures sort of gave the sacred space for women to, to shed, to let go and to let flow. And it is so important to try and incorporate that and see it as that in our lives now because that is exactly what it is it is a physical shedding process and how can that translate spiritually as well and how can we uh celebrate that as as a shedding of of you know as the letting go of something that is just a natural process in our body so it is a great time to sit and reflect and take the quiet time when you can to really nurture yourself during this time, you know, be easy with yourself, be loving with yourself, you know, make yourself nice teas, soups, warming foods, um, have some quiet time, you know, get into some meditation or just quietness, be around other women, be in a supportive environment um, and take the time to also reflect on what it is that we are ready to release at this time and and what it is that we are ready to receive and what lessons we have learned during this month. So when we honor our menstrual cycle, we we often find balance and a recentering of our state of being. And if we miss this time of recentering, then we may spend the rest of the month out of sync to this sacred rhythm, never quite catching up with ourselves. So it's a great opportunity to do exactly that, catch up with ourselves, go inwards, like really see what it is that you're ready to let go of and, and, and take on. Um, thankfully, we are offered the opportunity once each month um, to do that and it's entirely up to us as women to find our inner strength and love ourselves enough to honor this cyclical event 
there is a very interesting, and I'm not sure if it's folklore or not, you guys might have to let me know a little further on this, um, but apparently many moons ago, the female menstrual cycle was um, actually aligned with the waxing and waning of the moon. So the shedding of menstrual blood um, was aligned to to specific moon phases. And that's quite interesting because before I knew that, I noticed that whilst I was working on and, and, and continue to try and work on bringing my body into a state of balance and harmony with my hormones, I find that I get my period on the exact day of a new moon, which is crazy because the new moon, um, when you look at in spiritual practice, what the new moon means or in astrology, what a new moon means, um, it is so much to do with the shedding and letting go of. So it's like this kind of greater physical force of the universe is also uh, translating itself into the physical force in the human body. So yeah, that's uh, just something that I just, I find incredibly magical and again, mystical with the ways of the universe. But um, so yeah, so it's uh, really important also, um, actually, as, as mothers to, um, who have, who may have daughters, um, to really sort of have this conversation with them and 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 make them feel you know explain to them in the best way that you can that this is what's going on in the body and this is what happens in the body during this time and you know be easy on yourself and 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 allow them to also embrace it during this this incredible transition of you know uh, childhood into adulthood this beautiful sort of presentation of becoming a, a woman you know, empower them, really just try to give them that empowerment by explaining that this is a beautiful gift and that, you know, these are the things that happen in the body and, and, and try to uh, educate yourselves and them enough to understand the, the best ways possible to support um, our bodies during this process. Um, for a lot of us, it can also really help if you have a partner or close friends or girlfriends or family uh, to tell them how you feel during your uh, menstrual cycle and discuss how uh, you can work together in helping to honor this. So there is an incredible app, which actually a lovely friend recommended to me quite a few months ago. And since then, loads of you girls have actually recommended to me. So I'm sure most of you know it, but it's a great app. Um, for tracking your period and menstrual cycles and it's called my flow and now I used a period diary tracking device or app for many many years um, called period diary and I loved it and then this was recommended to me and wow it just takes it to a whole new level so not only does it does it allow you to track the days of the beginning and the ending of your um, period but it goes on to explain to you what is going on during these times in your monthly cycle. So throughout every day, the different phases that you go through, which I'll go through in a minute when I explain the more sort of scientific understanding of menstrual cycles, but it will explain to you the different phases of a menstrual cycle and what is going on in the body at that time with your hormones and how you can best support that with lifestyle choices. You know, for instance, it will tell you that now is more of a time to do gentle exercise like yin yoga, meditation. Now is a time to eat more sort of raw foods or, you know, fresh, fresh foods, whereas, you know, a different phase might um, uh, 
might be better on soups and stews and cook things or high intensity training. But what's really awesome is you can sync your partner to the app and they receive monthly updates um, or updates that sync to your phases. So more than more than monthly, I think. And it allows it teaches them what is going on in your body. So for instance, my boyfriend, I signed my boyfriend up to it and um, <laughs> he got the email as soon as I did. And he was like, oh, and I didn't tell him. And he was like, thanks for signing me up to that. And then, you know, gave it a further read. And he was like, actually, this is really interesting um, because it allows him to also better understand the ways in which he can support me whilst going through this because it is inevitably a thing that we go through and it's not something that we can stop you know it's not something that we should stop or should ignore it is something that we should fully embrace and having the people around you understand this better really helps that communication between each other um, to understand each other better and to understand the ways in which we can support each other better during this time like with anything in life it's so much to do with understanding or communication and empathy at least you know, whether that's illness or disease or depression or anxiety, that that understanding really allows um, us to better support one another. And so he forwarded, I asked him to forward me the emails. I was interested to see what it is that what the information was that they were sending him. And it's awesome. And it's really, um, really cool and really sweet because he really takes on the information and, and really is so on board with it all and finds it so fascinating and interesting to understand that the woman's body in such a different way but you know it'll suggest really sweet things like you know now's a great time to do more uh, romantic things and it talks about uh, sexual relationships as well and, and and what's actually more desired during our hormonal phases um, during sex you know more foreplay or, or you know more intimate as opposed to something you know a little bit more naughty etc so it's it's a really cool app and it's called my flow my space flo and i highly um recommend it to any of you guys it also just really helps um myself and anyone using the app i guess um just get a better understanding of what's going on in the body so yeah it's super great um Another thing around this time is 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 also doing whatever really makes your heart sing. So we explored that in the self uh in the nurturing with self-love and episode which I think was episode 2 and taking whilst you're taking that time out some people say well what am I meant to do? You know, to sit there like a lemon or lie in bed like a lemon. Absolutely not. It's a time to really do the things that fuel your heart as well whether that's um writing poetry, tending to your plants. It's it's the divine feminine energy, which is the, the, the energy of creation, of nurturing. And so anything in this in this moment, whether it's taking a bath, enjoying a gen- gentle walk, being in nature, playing music, dancing, meditating, um, you know, all of these beautiful things that you can do for yourself. And if you have children, take them out with you as well. You know, it may be that you simply just want to rest and do nothing. Uh, and that's great. Honor that as much as you can. Uh, being a superwoman really involves being vulnerable and loving yourself too. And I think a lot of us think that that means just going and doing and doing and doing, which is very much stuck in the masculine energy of things. But the feminine energy represents being. 
And so being a superwoman is just that. It's being vulnerable and loving yourself too. And true strength really comes from that vulnerability and gentleness and, and honoring in ourselves to really love ourselves. So before I go on to the ways in which we can introduce nutrition and lifestyle options to better support ourselves during this time, I want to go into the science around um, what it is that we experience when our hormones are out of balance and what things like PMS mean and perimenopause and menopause mean. So naturally, as we go through these cyclical changes, we do experience symptoms and those symptoms can really vary from little to almost feeling like none to very extreme. And the more extreme we feel these symptoms, so symptoms are usually um, uh, indication of too little or too much of a hormone. And that happens naturally in our cycle. So our cycle hormones are always changing. They're always fluctuating. They go from either producing a hormone to not producing that hormone so much. And with that, with that sort of uh, up and down cycle, we experience symptoms. But when our bodies are... Uh, pre- um, uh, completely out of balance, we will then start to feel the extremities of those symptoms. And that's what a lot of us know premenstrual, extreme premenstrual symptoms to be. So when I talk about premenstrual symptoms, it is the symptoms that occur before getting the first day of your menstrual cycle, which is your bleeding period. So a lot of People will experience very different symptoms, but they will range from headaches to migraines to nausea, dizziness to less extreme ones such as breast tenderness, um, bloating, indigestion, constipation, diarrhea, food cravings such as sugar cravings or fatty fried food cravings, mood swings, you know, feeling more emotional, either angry, irritable, um, or very sensitive and cry a lot. People can experience breakouts, acne. Um, so these are just a few examples of uh, hormonal imbalances during the menstrual cycle. So the best way that we can really understand a hormonal imbalance is by understanding how a normal menstrual cycle works. And a menstrual cycle is the result of a hormonal dance between the pituitary gland in the brain, which is situated in the center of the brain, and the ovaries. So our glands um, in our body from our pituitary to our thymus gland, they're known as part of our endocrine system and they're responsible for the release and production of, of hormones in the body for both men and women and of different hormones of all kinds which are responsible for uh, a lot of different processes in the body. So our hormones are like chemical messengers to the body. They tell our bodies essentially what to do. And every month the female sex hormones prepare the body to support a pregnancy. But without fertilization there is menstruation which is a period. So The menstrual cycle is determined by the number of days from the first day of one period to the first day of the next. So day one of the menstrual cycle is the first full bleeding day of the period and a typical cycle is approximately 24 to 35 days, on average around 28 days for most women. However, it's not totally abnormal for a woman's cycle to occasionally be shorter or longer. 
What happens um, on day one of the menstrual cycle is that estrogen and progesterone levels are low. So low levels of estrogen and progesterone signal the pituitary gland to produce follicle-stimulating hormone, also known as FSH. And this FSH begins the process of maturing a follicle, which is a fluid-filled sac in the ovary containing an egg. That follicle then produces more estrogen to prepare the uterus for pregnancy. And at ovulation, usually around day 12 to day 14 of our menstrual cycle, um, increased estrogen levels trigger a sharp rise in a hormone known as the luteinizing hormone, or LH. And that is um, produced by the pituitary gland again, causing the release of the egg from the follicle. So the ruptured follicle, the corpus luteum, now secretes progesterone and estrogen to continue to prepare the uterus for pregnancy. However, if the egg is not fertilized by sperm, then estrogen and progesterone levels drop and on day 28, the menses begin. And that is when we go through the day one of our menstrual cycle again. So the menstrual cycle occurs in three phases, follicular, ovulatory, and luteal. And the first half of the cycle is known as the follicular phase. The second half of the cycle is considered the luteal phase. Midway through the cycle between 12 and 16, ovulation occurs and that is known as the ovulatory phase so these are the phases that that app i was talking about my flow go into and it explains what exactly is going on with our hormones during this phase so understanding this just helps us to better understand the symptoms of premenstrual syndrome pms and perimenopause and menopause which are the natural uh cycle after a menstrual cycle that that includes uh, less ovulation, perimenopause, or the total lack of ovulation and period menopause. So that happens prog um, progressively as we mature into our later adult years. And symptoms, again, are often the result of too much or too little hormones. So during perimenopause, and perimenopause is the time in which women experience just before menopause, so before they go into stopping ovulation periods altogether, there is perimenopause, and that's when hormone levels fluctuate as a result of fewer ovulations. So less progesterone is produced in the second half of the menstrual cycle, and periods can be erratic, skipped, or have heavy bleeding or clots, and symptoms result from the change in ratio of estrogen to progesterone. So the imbalance creates these symptoms. There are ways, again, in which we can um, support our bodies best during this time, and I'll go through that in a bit. But um, going on to menopause, so after perimenopause, we then experience menopause, and that is when estrogen is no longer produced by the ovaries and is made in smaller amounts by the adrenal glands, which again are a part of our endocrine system, and um, we talked about a little bit in episode three of expressing anger. They are these tiny glands that are responsible for our stress hormones. They release cortisol and adrenaline and they sit just by our kidneys. So during menopause, smaller amounts of estrogen are made in our adrenal glands, so no longer in our ovaries, but they're also made in fat tissue. So estrogen is still produced in the body, but in much lower amounts than younger cycling women. The most significant hormone change of menopause is the lack of progesterone. So it's a time of estrogen dominance and low progesterone. And that is usually when a lot of women will experience symptoms um, of an estrogen dominance with um, hot flushes, dryness, uh, lack of libido, and... Um, 
so on and so forth. So I mentioned a few of the important menstrual cycle hormones and I'm going to go into a little bit about each of them. So the FSH, LH, estrogen, progesterone and testosterone, these are all menstrual cycle hormones um, that our body is producing every month. And I'm going to go into those a little bit in a little bit more detail. So follicle stimulating hormone FSH is released from the pituitary gland in the brain and stimulates the ovarian follicles, the fluid filled sacs on the ovary containing an egg to mature. After that, we have a luteinizing hormone LH, and that's also released from the pituitary gland in the brain at ovulation, and it causes the rupture of the mature ovarian follicle releasing the egg. Then we have estrogen, which is probably one we hear about a lot more often. And it is one of the female sex hormones that is often referred to as the growing hormone because of its role in the body. So estrogen is responsible for growing and maturing the uterine lining, which is the lining that is shed during menstruation, and also matures the egg prior to ovulation. So estrogen is produced mostly by the ovaries, but Again, during menopause, it's also produced in smaller amounts by the adrenal glands and in fat tissue. It is the most abundant in the first half of the menstrual cycle, aka the follicular phase. Progesterone is another of the female sex hormones and it works in the body to balance the effects of estrogen and is often referred to as the relaxing hormone. So progesterone is produced after ovulation by the corpus luteum, which is the sac that the egg comes from, and it dominates the second half of the cycle, the luteal phase. So progesterone's main job is to control the buildup of the uterine lining and help mature and maintain the uterine lining if there is a pregnancy. So a lot of women that are going through IVF or... Um, experience symptoms of infertility are usually given progesterone shots and that's because it, it helps to build up the uterine lining and uh, it helps to mature and maintain that uterine lining if there is a pregnancy. If there is no pregnancy our progesterone levels fall and the lining of the uterus is shed beginning the menstrual cycle which is when we have a period. So in many cases of women that have an estrogen dominance, it might present itself, um, which is again why it's so important to really take the symptoms as your body's way of communicating to you that you might need to support yourself to balance your body a little bit further um, and just support yourself in the best way possible. Because uh, over time, things like an estrogen dominance can lead to more chronic conditions such as endometriosis or infertility. Um, we see a lot more uh, estrogen dominance today than we ever have before. And so really helping that um, can help prevent these things from happening. Um, and I'll go through that in a bit. But before we finish on the hormones, there is one more important menstrual cycle hormone, which is testosterone. And that is something that we associate with men more. However, it's an important sex hormone for both men and women, although women do have much lower levels. But it is produced by the ovaries and adrenal glands and has a surge at the time of ovulation and a slight rise just before the menses, so just before the period. But testosterone helps women maintain muscle mass and bone strength and it also enhances our sex drive and helps with the overall sense of well-being and zest for life. So, interestingly, there have been many conventional methods 
to treat hormonal imbalances in medicine from HRT to coils to the contraceptive pill. However, unfortunately, these methods can have many unwanted side effects um, and they usually, like with most conventional medicine, treat the symptoms rather than the root cause. And in this circumstance, they treat the symptoms with synthetic hormones. And that can actually further exacerbate hormonal imbalances down the line. So I do want to get on to a little bit of that um, before we move on, because I do know many people are usually prescribed things like the pill or the coil, etc. And it's important to understand what that does for our bodies as well and how that can cause adverse effects before going on to how we can why we would want to make the changes if we do and I'm I'm not urging and anybody to I'm just um simply just giving the information to be able to to make the choices for yourself to really educate yourselves on um on what it is that we put into our bodies and and how we can try and only fuel ourselves with the best with the best love and nurturing possible so the the pill is I want to touch upon because it is such a common commonly prescribed drug um for women that are seeking contraception but also for women that uh, or young girls who experience hormonal imbalances and it's actually one of the most commonly used drugs in the world so there are currently well over 100 million women on the pill and it has been used at some time by 300 million that's an incredible amount of people to be using something that could have adverse effects on the body and i'll get into that now but tens of millions more use injectables patches and implants so we're not only administered it orally we're administered it in so many different ways but they also contain similar levels of hormones and yet again incredible amounts of side effects so girls as young as 12 are prescribed the pill and Again, not only for contraception, but for heavy periods, acne or hormonal imbalances. And it's incredible when you can understand the ways in which we can do that naturally without something that can have such detrimental effects to our own health. So the pill works in such a bizarre way. And I didn't actually understand how the pill worked into much later on in my teens um, when I had been, you know educated a little bit more on it but the pill works by keeping you in a constant state of pregnancy and that is exactly why you can't get pregnant during this time because it is essentially just uh, fueling you with synthetic hormones that are tricking your body into believing that it's pregnant so that it can't get pregnant and that's why we don't go through a period when we're on the pill and that that weak gap that they um that doctors tell you to take in between a pill that period or period of bleeding is not a real menstrual cycle it's actually a withdrawal period from taking the pill so we're not really allowing ourselves to go through a menstrual cycle for the whole time that we take the pill and for many of us that's years and that is why women that who decide to come off the pill eventually um will experience because maybe that they're ready to start having children or so on and so forth, will experience hormonal imbalances in such a great uh, uh, influx and, and, and 
unfortunately, it can take a, a much longer time for women who are coming off the pill for so long to get pregnant. And I'll talk about the best ways in which we can support that as well when you do come off the pill. It's the same way as it goes for people who just want to balance their hormones because essentially what you're needing to do is just really help to support your body, rebalance hormones and get rid of all of this excess hormone by supporting your liver um, in the best way possible. So when we're on the pill, our natural cycle, um, you know, or as women, our natural cycle is composed of rising and falling levels of estrogen and progesterone. But what the pill does is keep your levels at a constant high point. So it's tricking your body into thinking that it's already pregnant, so pregnancy can't occur. But these levels are approximately three to four times higher than they naturally occur at the peak of your cycle. So taking the pill every day places such a heavy load on your liver because it's our liver that is getting rid of pollutants, waste, um, toxicity and excess hormones. So our liver has to metabolize all these synthetic hormones and try and get rid of it. And again, you know, if our, digest if our digestive system is not working properly and we're not eliminating these excess hormones through our bowel movements, through frequent urination, um, you know, through really helping assist our livers, livers, we are then just flooding our body with more and more excess hormones that are just circulating in our physical bodies every day, causing a lot more symptoms and... Uh, um, opportunities for hormonal imbalances to rise. So taking the pill also affects our ability to absorb B vitamins, which is very ironic considering B vitamins are so vital and necessary for the proper hormone formation and production and balance in our bodies. And it actually stops our ability to absorb those vitamins. And those are the exact vitamins we need to ensure all of those things, to ensure proper hormotion, uh, horm hormone formation, production and balance. Um, it also blocks the absorption of vitamin C, which is so essential for our immune system, for healing, um, for collagen production. Um, it blocks the absorption of many minerals such as zinc, copper, selenium, potassium and magnesium, also just so essential for the body. And it can take months or years for the effects of this malnutrition to become apparent. But it's amazing how many small problems like insomnia, cravings, skin infection, headaches, weight gain, anxiety, fatigue, constipation and irritability can also be linked back to the use of the pill. Um... And that's, again, so much due to these nutrient deficiencies. The pill is also uh, great at suppressing testosterone, which for some people who begin with excess testosterone levels um, in, you know, various conditions such as PCOS, that might seem desirable. But however, over a while, uh, it can produce seven times more of a sex hormone binding globulin, which is a protein that binds to testosterone and takes it out of circulation. Now, testosterone in the right amounts, again, is obviously very necessary for our sex drive, for a healthy libido, for that natural zest of life. Um, and so taking the pill can potentially deliver uh, a real blow to our libido and that sort of passion that drives us. Unfortunately, um, the chances of depression also double on the pill, which is uh, actually listed as a very possible and common side effect. Um, 
you know, one study was conducted by uh, women's mental health specialist, Professor Jayashree Kulkarni, um, and she did a study on a large group of women over 18 years old who had no clinical history of depression and found that the women on the pill were twice as likely to suffer from depression as the others. In another ongoing study of 23,000 women on the pill, one third stopped taking it because of depression. So if you've experienced these symptoms, um, you know, it is very, very common and it is not something that you need to go through. Um, you know, the contraceptive pill is used for contraception, but I'll explore different ways of con- uh, of natural contraception. And unfortunately, there aren't that many other options, but there are ways around them that we can understand it better to... Um, to work with our cycles and then obviously to balance our hormones you know other side effects include obviously the risk of breast cancer cervical cancer stroke bone density depletion blood clots and ovarian cancer it's also the pill is heavily linked to infertility Um, it alters 150 bodily functions and I could go on about this for so long but my point is is that it's something that is so commonly used and something that we should really learn about more and really educate yourselves on more. So it is entirely your decision and entirely your option um, and your right to do whatever you feel is right for your body. But it's so important that we educate ourselves on on what it is that these things that we put in our bodies um, are actually doing. So different uh, natural methods of contraception. There is a very old school method known as the honey cap and very few people offer this contraceptive method I think there's one woman in London who's well into her 80s now who offers it and it's basically like a female condom that is inserted inside the um inside the vagina and it blocks the sperm from getting into our uterus it is also naturally kept in a jar of honey which is known as a natural spermicide um, and is shown to be effective and I know some women that have used it and love it and I know some women that absolutely hate it there is obviously um, there are obviously condoms which I know aren't favorable to many but they are a natural form of contraception. And then there is one that many people deem quite scary um, or unsafe, and it is the simple pull-out method. Now, that can seem too unpredictable for a lot of people or too uh, not safe enough for a lot of people, but the there is a very big misconception with pre-ejaculation. And obviously, if you aren't in a long-term relationship with someone and are... Um, uh, having open sexual relationships, it is always much better to protect yourself, not just from pregnancy, but from sexually transmitted diseases, which are also so common. Um, and to use a condom would be the best way possible. So even if you are on the pill to protect yourself from uh, sexual tra- sexually transmitted diseases is so important. Um, you know, the, there is such a widespread of um, HPV, which can be sexually transmitted and also is not sexually transmitted, but it is uh, so unspoken of again, and it is the one of the common uh, leading uh, causes to um, cervical cancer. So, yes, there is this misconception with um, how even if somebody pulls out, we can become pregnant with pre-ejaculation or pre-cum, but the 
understanding behind that is that is only possible when there is sperm in the urethra. So in the canal in which they pee from. And that is from previous ejaculation. So if uh, your partner or, or a man, male boy, um, has urinated before sexual intercourse and after, it helps to clear the urethra of any living sperm that may still be there. And remember, sperm can live up to five days. So it's always good to get your partner to urinate beforehand. And that just ensures that pre-ejaculation is there for, and it's a natural lubrication. It's not there to make you pregnant. But if there is living sperm in the urethra, it can come out in the pre-ejaculation. And that is what um, many young girls sort of fear can make them pregnant. And absolutely so it can, if that is the case, if they're, if they haven't urinated clearing their urethra beforehand. So um, that was just a little kind of or a, a big blurb on on the adverse effects of the pill and now I finally want to get on to ways in which we can really support ourselves naturally and if you are deciding on you want um, on coming off the pill um, or better supporting your hormones you can start by doing that um, really gradually and gently and and speak to your gynecologist or your doctor about this and you know tell them that you are wanting to come off the pill and just know that this is going to be a time where you might experience um, symptoms of, of extreme hormonal imbalances and that it, it does take time but with the right support and nourishment you can get there we can all um, totally totally get there so some very beautiful things just to help rebalance um, the menstrual cycle and our menstrual cycle hormones are B vitamins. As mentioned before, um, they are so important and um, they're so important for proper hormone formation, production and balance. And we use a lot of B vitamins when we are stressed or if we're on the pill, we can't absorb them. Um, so if we're prone to anxiety and stress during the premenstrual phase, then it's really helpful to replace them by taking a good quality supplement. And one of my favorites is by the Synergy Company, and it's a vitamin B complex. So it's the Synergy Company vitamin B complex, that's all it's called. And it's a food state supplement. So it's made solely from foods. So it is not synthetically created and your body recognizes it as foods and absorbs it and you take one a day and it is such a beautiful way for really helping to assist hormonal balance during this time. Obviously with all supplements um, it is so important to check uh, drug nutrient interactions if you are somebody who is living with a medical condition and is on medications you know it is very important to check whether these supplements can interfere in whatever medication you are taking and you can search that online simply just by searching drug nutrient interactions with vitamin b per se um, and that'll tell you uh, what medications it can interfere with or you know what conditions it can interfere with so it is very important if you aren't if you're not working with a health practitioner or a nutritionist to really um uh, research into these things because as much as they are natural they are also very powerful and they can have uh, contraindications or interactions with uh, conventional medications so um, we can also focus on foods we can get this from so b vitamins is found in uh, whole grains it's found in spinach um, 
it's you know just googling foods high in b vitamins and and implementing that into our diet as well um can be super beneficial another really lovely um food that i like to add into my everyday is maca and it's the root of a south american plant and it comes in a powdered form and it's been used by the incas and in peru for thousands of years to um help balance hormones it's also so great for 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 giving good um energy natural energy and it's incredible for um it's an adaptogen so it really helps the body to adapt in times of stress so it is for me just one of the most beautiful foods that i think you can add into your everyday and i love to add it in my morning smoothies and you can buy it from health stores so it's called maca root powder and it has all sorts of properties um and literally i just put two tea, uh, tablespoons of that in my smoothies and it's it got an incredibly sweet nutty flavor um and it's made from a root plant so it's it's totally safe for people who have not allergies um, exercise is another really great way we can get endorphins flowing and it helps to also flush out excessive hormones and unbalanced energy so going for a walk um, for a run you know uh, keeping active and, and keeping our endorphins flowing really helps really helps to balance our hormones meditation again you know just taking a breather every now and again to sit quietly and focusing on breathing and, and deep and exhalations and inhalations that can really help to cleanse and nurture ourselves um omega-3 so omega-3 is a part of essential fatty acids that are huge for balancing hormones um, they're also great for uh uh reducing inflammation in the body they're great for for um, balancing hormones they're great for skin they're great for hair and it's something that I actually supplement with daily as well um, a good fish oil so a good omega-3 and the one that I'm taking at the moment is by Wiley's Finest and it's wild Alaskan fish oil and you just follow the directions on the bottle um, with how many you take unless you're working with a health practitioner that might vary um, but it is such a beautiful way and such a great way of um and I find it it work it's so strong um, in how much it really helps to balance my hormones. It also helps my hair grow insanely long and keeps my skin moisturized and hydrated from the inside. And we can get omega threes from food, so fatty fish, um, salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, herring, chia seeds, flax seeds. Um, all of these foods are abundant in omega three. So again. Um, uh, searching and researching what foods are um, have these uh, specific vitamins minerals nutrients inside of them and eating more of those it is uh, it can be very beneficial in times of major imbalance to supplement because sometimes with food although it's giving us what we need sometimes it's not giving us enough of what we need to really uh, bring ourselves back to a state of balance and that's why I believe in supplementing um, big time and I've seen in clinic and on clients and on myself the uh, the best results from having a healthy diet and also supplementing with natural natural food state supplements as much as possible um, with that as well 
um, other healthy fats that are really great for supporting hormonal ba balance, um, avocados, coconuts, um, you know, olive oil, coconut oil, cooking with these is, is also super uh, um, beneficial as our body actually needs various types of fats to also create hormones, including saturated fat and cholesterol. So, you know, for so long we were told that these things are bad, like coconut oil is high in, high in saturated fats, but that's actually very beneficial to us. And in cholesterol, there is good and bad cholesterol. So actually egg yolks from free range um, organic eggs uh, contain a lot of beneficial cholesterol and that's what keeps bad cholesterol at bay. Um, Essential fats really are fundamental building blocks for hormone production and they keep inflammation levels low as well as boost our metabolism, promote weight loss. Um, and you can find these again, co coconut oil, avocados, grass-fed butter, wild-caught salmon, um, chia seeds, flax seeds, um, quickly going back onto omega-3s it's also very important to focus on there are omega-6 fats as well that we really need to keep um, at a minimal and in an imbalance because omega-6 um, you know is usually found in things like refined vegetable oil, sunflower oil, corn oil um, all of these things and they pr it promotes more inflammation in the body um, and uh, you will usually find these in processed foods and so cutting out these foods as well that are uh, you know these the unhealthy oils the you know the processed corn and sunflower oils the uh, fried fatty foods um, the processed foods and junk foods uh, cutting all of those out is so mandatory to hormonal balancing as well as blood sugar balancing. That is actually the number one thing we need to focus on when we're trying to balance our hormones. Um, it is so important that we are really working on balancing our blood sugar levels. So a lot of fertility clinics today will talk about um, or f fertility nutritionists will put women on a serious blood sugar balancing diet where they're not eating um, foods that are high in sugars obviously not eating foods that are uh, that have refined sugars, but also natural foods that are high in sugars, such as, uh, you know, certain fruits, mango, pineapple, dates, dried fruits, um, all of these things that could be causing imbalances in the body. And the best way that we can ensure proper uh, blood sugar balance is by eating three main meals a day and having uh, a lot of good whole organic foods, fruits, vegetables. So in our main meals, a lot of vegetables, root vegetables, green, leafy greens, um, as many colors as possible, which ensures as much variety of nutrients as possible. And then a good source of protein. And that doesn't have to be animal protein. But if it is, if you are going for fish and if you are going for meat, it is so important to really only ever opt for something that is free range, wild, and organic and free range and wild being the priority too because organic can mean very misleading things um but essentially that will that will ensure in most cases that there is less antibiotic use less um, hormone injections which are usually given to the animal to grow faster and that happens with both fish farming and animal farming so really trying to go for wild caught fish um you know, uh, wild venison or free range um, cow, chicken, if you do eat animal protein. 
Dairy is a huge one for people that have um, uh, estrogen dominance. It is known to exacerbate hormonal imbalances as it does have a huge... Um, uh, it is made up, obviously, of just copious amounts of hormones for an animal, uh, you know, a baby or a cow to grow a baby calf into a cow. So it's, it's again, just uh, exacerbating our, uh, if we have excess specific hormones of uh, in excess, it is going to only exacerbate that condition. Um even if it's organic, uh, it can exacerbate uh, excess hormones in the body. So um, other options um, that are plant-based that are great sources of protein, you know, hemp, mushrooms, uh, beans, legumes, lentils, you know, all the chickpeas, kidney beans, cannellini beans, all of these things are so great. Um, Nuts, seeds, um, you know, again, it is so specific to each individual. So it's finding out which foods really work best for you and what best supports your body. Because although a lot of us go through some of the same symptoms, we might also have other imbalances in the body that require us to eat in very different ways. So working with a health practitioner, nutritionist can really help you to understand your body better or just understanding, learning and doing a lot as much research as possible and trial and error on yourself as possible if you have the uh, patience to, to, um, to want to learn more can really help to uh, us understand better and what it is that we need specifically for ourselves. Um, So having that balance in the three meals a day of a a good source of protein. So I like to call it the naturopathic plate, which is including a quarter portion of protein, a quarter portion of complex carbohydrates, which are your whole grains like brown rice or quinoa or root vegetables such as parsnip, carrot, beetroot, and then half your plate full of a variety of vegetables. Um, And that for three main meals a day is a great way to ensure proper blood sugar balancing um, without experiencing the spikes and the drops. Um, So, you know, sometimes we can eat something and we have this great high energy and then we have a slump in our energy and that's because our sugar sugar levels have dropped and then we crave something sweet and we reach out for, you know, the next ice cream or Twix bar and the cycle continues and we go from these ups and downs and it it completely wreaks havoc to our hormones. So blood sugar balancing is definitely the number one. And if you are hungry in between meals, it means your blood sugar is starting to drop and it means your body is craving a food. And so be just very mindful of the foods that you do feed yourself when you are hungry and do something that's going to slowly release sugar in the body. So looking at foods that have a low glycemic load, so low GL foods are essential for blood sugar balance. And snacking in between with a piece of low GL fruit, like an apple with a bit of nut butter. So, you know, combining um, natural sugars with a protein also helps to um not just not just keep us satisfied and properly satiated, but it also helps to um, balance out the blood sugar level and and helps to slower release sugar in the level so that we're not going through these spikes and pitfalls. And that is why protein in every meal is so important, whether it's animal or plant based. You need to have protein in every meal, not just because it is the building block of all life, but it is it is the macronutrient that ensures proper satiation, but also proper blood sugar balance. 
So definitely number one is working on balancing your blood sugar levels. Um, another very interesting one is plastic. And that has received a lot more awareness recently, which is great. And fertility clinics, again, talk about it a lot. But plastic contains a chemical known as BPA. And that's bisphenol A. And when plastic or foods are exposed, uh, when plastic, sorry, is exposed to sunlight, it can leach uh, BPA into our foods. Uh, it doesn't have to be directly exposed to sunlight, but it can leach into our foods. And it acts as a xenoestrogen in the body, which is a synthetic form of estrogen that really kind of causes uh, havoc again to the natural balance of our hormones. And a lot of fertility clinics now are urging women to steer clear from drinking out of plastic bottles or eating out of plastic food um, or food from plastic packaging. And so switching to water from glass bottles is... Uh, super helpful I actually drink from these um, it's water in a box so they've started making um, tetra pack water bottles so they're they come in paper cartons like in a a, uh, basically a carton box and it's called aqua pack so aqua p-a-x and that is a um, I order it off amazon and it's bpa free and also super recyclable so great for the environment Um, They are pretty expensive though and so I have been looking at um, whole home water filters that can actually help to reduce, um, well not just get rid of obviously the plastic side of BPA but to help reduce the uh, heavy metals that is present in our tap water because that's another thing that is, um, that adds to hormonal imbalance that we are seeing more and more of every day is tap water not only is it high in heavy metals depending on where you live etc but it is also um uh heavily contaminated with hormones and a very interesting fact around that is um the hormones that are present in the tap water actually come from the excess hormones that we are urinating into our water systems, obviously through peeing in the toilet, um, especially when we are on the pill. And unfortunately, we don't have, well, we do, but main water filtration systems, um, we hadn't actually developed the technology for filtration systems to filter out hormones because they're such tiny molecules. So these hormones are still managed to pass through our filtration systems and into our drinking water or our cooking water. And how yummy does that sound? so getting a, a filtration system, whether it's for your kitchen or shower, bathroom or whole home, um, can save you lots of money from uh, buying aquapacks or glass bottles, but can also be super beneficial for the skin because heavy metals, again, as well, um, can build up in the body and lead to chronic illness and disease later on in life. Um, but that's for a whole different episode. Um And I'm still looking for one that's great, but I know that there is a technology of ceramic filters that is completely natural um, and uses no chemicals to filter out heavy metals um, and also hormones. And so I think if you Google ceramic filters, you might be able to read more. But until I am happy enough with a company that is providing a filtration service like this, I will... 
I don't really have anything to recommend and I'm still looking for it myself. So when I do, I will probably be shouting out about it all over Instagram and all over my website because it is so important. Um, you know, water is something that we consume every day. So definitely steer clear from tap water, get filters where you can, um, drink from glass bottles and have a healthy diet that focuses on blood sugar balancing, cut out all your processed junk foods and really take this time out to nurture and nourish yourself. Because when we are um, fueling ourselves with so much goodness, we are it is working on every single level of our bodies and not just our bodies, our mind, our souls, um, our emotions, everything. So it's, uh, you know, and if, if you do suffer from great hormonal imbalances, it is great to go and speak to a health practitioner and see how they can help you because there are tests that can be done. And, you know, it's it's always great to take advantage of the, the technology that we do have to test um, ourselves and to be able to check specific hormone levels through b- blood tests and, and you know, taking those results and working with a health practitioner that might have a more holistic approach can really help us understand our bodies better and get back to this place of harmony and peace within ourselves where we can, um, you know, uh, experience menstrual cycles without the extreme um, symptoms of pain or uh other sort of symptoms of or unwanted symptoms that you know aren't necessary I hope that has um helped to or helped you guys to better understand in the ways that we can naturally support ourselves through this time and just to remember that Our menstrual cycles are a beautiful gift of femininity and fertility and they are something that we should be allowed to talk about so much more openly. They are not disgusting. They are not an embarrassment. They are not ashamed. They are beautiful. They uh, you know they are such a natural process of the human body and they should be celebrated at every time that we get them. Um you know, and spoken about when and as we need to. It is nothing to hide away from. And so talk to your girlfriends about it. Talk to your partner about it. Talk openly about it. You know, everywhere and anyone is. As much as society tries to shut that side of life down, it's our voices that are able to be heard. And the more we just lift this, you know, taboo off of our menstrual cycles and this, um, you know, all the negative uh, or all the negativity that surrounds it. The more we, the more we talk about it, the more we're able to lift, lift all of those things and unveil, unveil it all. Um, and the more, you know, in our openness, the more we're able to help each other. And especially young women and young girls today going through this transition period. It is so important that they also understand. It's so important for us to understand. It's so important for them to also understand this beautiful gift of life and and how that, that they can go through it in the best way possible and how we as parents or as adults can help support and nurture that in the best ways possible. So this has again been pretty uh pretty long blur but I help I hope it's helped you today and 
wherever you are, whatever you are doing, I hope you are having a lovely afternoon, morning or evening. You can stay tuned and if you have listened this far, thank you so much. You can stay tuned um, on my website or my Instagram at Lunar Oniari or my website at tableforone1.com where you can also find all of my social media links. Um, And so... I will be uploading and notifying you guys when the next episode will be available. But for now, I hope you guys enjoyed and I'm going to do my thing with leaving you with a track of the day.
Oh, oh, oh.